Every lap in under a minute means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars unforgettable. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey Sleuthers, it is the V8 Sleuth Podcast powered by Repco. It is race week for the Repco Bathurst 1000. And on this episode, we thought we'd take a look back 30 years to the 1992 Tui's 1000. The last running of the Group A era. It was the 30th running, the 30th year of the race. And of course, well, yeah, some Kiwi bloke dropped the line that has lived in infamy ever since on the podium. Will Dale's alongside me as we have a look at the 1992 race. But before we get into that... Let's just soak up some of the commentary, some of the love from the 92 Great Race. Hello and welcome to Bathurst for one of the great days in Australian sport. It's the day of the Great Race, the Tui's 1000, the once a year motor race which attracts the attention of every sports fan. Engines come up to rev, so they get off the line, and it's Johnson up on the inside of Perkins with Mark Scaife looking for it, but he'll drop back one spot. 05 is stalled on the starting grid, Peter Brock. On outright speed, Dick Johnson's Sierra is the only car that can take the battle up to the distance at this stage. See if Johnson wants to try and break the back. Well, Mark Scaife ducks down the inside and he will lead the great race as they come across the line for the third time. The word we've had is that there will be heavy rain at the circuit in one hour or less and there's some action in the pits. The boys are getting out the wet weather tyres. This is roughly when this and we're going to change anyway. It just couldn't have happened better for them. They've managed to stay out of the sleep. Now they'll go to the wets, that'll make them even more dominant, and they'll be off 20, 30 seconds to get the driver in, change the tyres, on schedule anyway, they don't even know it's raining. Jimmy Richards, car number one, the Winfield Nissan. The Rainmaster, aboard the car, renowned as a Rainmaster. Just look at him take off, <laughs> the four-wheel drive, this ad GTR. Bye-bye. Nicky Johnson, he is hanging on like you couldn't believe today. Dick, what's it feel like when you're running in these appalling conditions and the turbo cuts in? I can tell you, Doug, it's like chewing a leg on a chocolate frog. <laughs> it's about that much fun. Anything that Dick Johnson had going for him, making inroads on uh, Jimmy Richards, has now disappeared. With the arrival of the rain, they're all out there on slicks. There's going to be a mad charge through the pits here. Oh, no, no Jimmy Richards has hit the wall. Well, Richard, of course, stuck on slicks and... Uh... No traction at all, even for a four-wheel drive Nissan. Listen to the crowd. I don't want to be unkind to Winfield and the Nissan team, but the punters at the top of the oh, hill, this is the kind God. of send-off they wanted to see for the Nissans. If they don't stop the race, there won't be any cars left to complete it anyway. Red flag is out. The race is over. Ivan, the $64 question, who is the winner? I would say car one. The race has got to be declared at the last full lap before the red flag went out, and he was still leading at that stage. Well, uh, uh, Ivan Stubart has just uh, awarded the race to the number one car. You must be pleased with that, even after the crash. Fantastic. I can't believe it. <laughs> well done, Jimmy Richards. And now, the winners of the great race for the second year running, Mark Scaife and Jim Richards. There you go, Will. 
that's a scene setter. That gets us into the mood. That's the vibe of the 92 Tui's 1000 as it was then. What springs to mind for you when you first look at the 92 race or you first think about it? Well, as I said on the, our um, Bathurst 1000 preview episode last week, it's this is the first one that I can remember like fully like – most of the elements of from when I was growing up, watching it on TV at home, um, all the drama that occurred throughout the day and the lead up to the race for that matter, and of course the very dramatic conclusion, and in particular it making the news headlines on Channel 7 News afterwards and them beeping the infamous, the, the um, very specific word out of what Jim Richard said on the podium. Were you the young kid in Queensland that said to your mum and dad, Mum and dad, what's a pack of assholes? <laughs> no, 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 no. No awkward questions were asked in the Dale household. <laughs> it's this, it's this, the, the two things of the 92 race. It's the Jim podium speech and it's the sad passing of Denny Holm, the 67 Formula 1 world champ who had a heart attack at the wheel. And, of course, that's part of the Jim story later on because he knew Denny quite well. He was told about it during the race. Hmm. And then, of course, what happened at the podium happened on the podium. So they're kind of the two bannerhead elements that stand out for me from that day. There's so many storylines and other elements at play there, but they're the two big ones. Well, you think back to one of the defining elements of that race being the dominance of the GTR in the wet conditions, and there was a time there in the lead-up to the race where there was no guarantee that the two factory GTRs were going to turn up. Yeah, that's right. So there's a, the big brouhaha was over the the restrictions placed on them and the weight, most mm. importantly, that was placed there. I mean, it made it to court. Like, it, mm. was, it was full-on stuff and threats of not running the Nissan factory team not coming to Bathurst for the, the race, which I can't imagine was, I mean, big threats. But with all of the money invested and all of the commitments to sponsors, of course, Winfield, the cigarette um, brand, was their new partner that year, Yokohama. The so- biggest, the one big touring car race throughout the year that has a profile as well, it's yeah. worth noting. Yeah. When all the when most of the touring car rounds are compressed to one hour highlights on yeah. television. Yeah. The, the, it it would have been unlikely that those cars would have not appeared. And the Siggy brands were all built around television events. Mm. That's what you know, that's why Tony Longhurst did the AMS car series all the time in the B and H cars. TV. Yeah. It's why Winfield, when they were on the GDRs, did the Amscar series. Mm. It was more TV hours and that's what they were pretty much running by as their measure of, you know, reflection of success, of achievement, of exposure was getting on the telly. And Bathurst is the biggest broadcast of the year. So started under a cloud, but they made it there. And in the end, though, it was literal clouds that really yes. – I mean, they hadn't – apart from 87, there hadn't been many wet Bathursts in the recent past prior to 92. And the lead-up to that race was weird in a way. You had the Nissan drama blowing up. You had this kind of hybrid class stuff because you had the the new 93-spec cars that were, were running in their own class, actually. A lot of people forget that. Mm. The, the return of Falcon, Glenn Seaton had his PJ car ready. Dick Johnson didn't have his Falcon he had well, a Falcon. Well, he had really. a Falcon. He just but, wasn't allowed to use it. Yeah, that's right. Exactly, exactly. Uh, two HRT Commodores and a Commodore for Peter Brock in the, the what was the Advantage Racing uh, mobile team. So then you had the Turbo Group A cars. You had the Group A Commodores and small capacity cars, a bit of the future coming as well. It's the most varied makes and models and categories 
sort of flavour of formula. It's probably the last time that really happened to that degree. Well, you had different versions of, as you said, different versions of Holden Commodore. You had different versions of BMW M3 on the mm. grid as well because yeah. you had the full DTM spec car, B&H cars of Tony Longhurst and Johnny Chicotto. And that was a brand new car, mm. especially for Bathurst. The 25 car was a, was a newie. wasn't brand new by the start <laughs> of the race, unfortunately. Yeah. Warm-up got a little ding. Yeah. And Johnny Chicotto, the Venezuelan who was the superstar in motorcycle racing, drove Formula 1 for a while too. Um, he finished runner-up in 85, and I don't think he'd been at Bathurst. 87. 87 was the yep. last time in the CBM car, so yeah. it'd been a while since he'd been a part of that mix. And the other thing in the lead-up, we talk so much and we love it and we want it back, the Sandown 500, <laughs> yes. but not everyone did the Sandown 500 in those days. No. So the Shell team did it for the first time in two years. Mm. Um, the Nissan team hadn't been at it since 1989. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Brock ran one car, not two, ran the older VN because the VP wasn't quite ready. Um, you had a lot of occasions where international drivers were coming for Bathurst, but they didn't have availability for Sandown. So whoever was kind of the lead guy in the second car got the go with the main guy. Mm. So Troy Dunstan drove with Peter Brock. Troy Dunstan um, playing the part of Manuel Reuter for the Sandown 500. It, it, it makes me think, is Manuel Reuter the most forgotten Peter Brock Bathurst co-driver of all time? I've got to wonder if Manuel remembers it. Surely he does. I'm sure he does. How could you forget coming to Bathurst? Yeah, that's true. true. In all the horrendous conditions. And and also in in his very specific case, basically being out of contention for the race win within 0.1 of a second (laughs) of the race starting. Yeah. Yep. That tail shaft that uh, went on the grid. But proof of the Brock aura and magic. Anybody else, as Peter McLeod found out three (laughs) years later. Yes. If that had happened to them, they were towed out of the race. Mm. But Brock's car is allowed back in the race. Mm. Reality should have been out. Oh, yeah. And speaking of, as we were talking before, about the value of television coverage, Brock getting back into that race and the amount of coverage he got from mobile helped kick that deal along into another year, did it not? Or am I thinking of the different year? I think you're thinking of the story of the BMW year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, the sheer exposure time for sponsors... It's huge, mm. huge at Bathurst, even for the smaller cars and teams that got a bit here and there. It's more than they got all year mm. on, on everything else. Well, so. You think back in the day motorsport news used to publish the data, did, like the yeah. Repicom data of exactly how much time each car spent on screen and what that equated to in yeah. terms of sponsor yeah, they advertising dollars. Yeah. That was three or four years worth in the, the early to mid-90s when mm. it was kicking around. So 92 Larry Perkins wins the Santa 500. Ah, it's, yes. It's Steve Harrington. The best finish he versus Paul Morris in the BM. It's a cracker. Have a look at it on YouTube. It's an absolute belter. I love watching that last three, four, five lap. Will Hagen, Howard Mars, and the commentary is great. It's the classic David V. Goliath thing. So, and greeted by the double birds of John Davison at the I finish line. I still don't know what that was about. We've got photos in the archive. Larry's taking the flag. John's out on the track and he's giving him a double bird. And to be fair, it was a tradition in that era of the race for for John to stand on the side of the track as the checkered flag's being waved with the winner's trophy. We've seen photos from the 94, 95 races yeah. where Dick Johnson and John Bow won are the same thing, but he is, he's I'm he's not, not flipping them off in I, those I'm years. I'm not sure what's going on in that photo. We'll, we'll have to run it one day, but we didn't really have a good gauge for Bathurst off Sandown. No, it just no GTRs. Really, just didn't give you a form guide really and everybody else, I mean, Glenn Seaton's Falcon was so new, like it was a disaster at Sandown. 
but it qualified fourth at Bathurst, mm. which was impressive, first time back up there. So you had the Ford fans reinvigorated with their local um, model, the Falcon, back, first time in eight years, mm. by the way. When you look at the lineups, oh, it's pretty impressive But because you still had that overseas flavour mm. in among there. It wasn't just one or two Euros. Like, there were plenty. So you look at the Nissan team, Anders Olofsson, the late Swede driving with Neil Crompton in the second car. Johnny Chicotto we mentioned in the BMWs. Of course, Denny Holm, Kiwi, but kind of part of the furniture in a way at Bathurst for the best part of 10 years at that point. We had Manuel Reuter, as discussed before, uh, with who, Peter who Brock. Had, for some people go, who is that Manuel Reuter bloke? He's a gun touring car he, driver in Europe. Well, before that, he won the Le Mans 24-hour. Yeah. I mean, he was a, a long-time Opel um, super touring and DTM driver, which, of course, Opel GM team in, um, in Europe. So Klaus Niedzwitz. Yep. was back, having not been there for a couple of years or yep, two with years. the Moffat team. So he was in the Moffat cars. Yeah, um, Wynn Percy, of course, back in a Holden Racing team car. Yeah, and, He'd, of course, at that stage he wasn't a local by that stage. No. He'd been there for two years, gone away, come back for uh, the endurance races as well. So yeah. you had him in the mix as well. You had the Shell team with John Bow and Greg Crick. From overseas? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to yes. do that. How did I know that you were going to do that and go there? It's... Uh, Nothing surer, nothing surer. I mean, outside of that, they were the main ones, but the quality of those international drivers, that's top, top notch. Top draw, absolutely. Top draw, top draw stuff. Every lap in under a minute means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars, unforgettable. Local-wise... Really impressive too. Really impressive as well. And, and I mean, look at the times. I mean, top ten shootout. Johnson gets pole in a twelve eight nine mm. in the Sierra. So he's on pole. <laughs> Larry does a fourteen four to get on the front row. Well, you remember that Larry was second provisionally mm. behind only Scaife in the GTR after regular qualifying. Scaife did a thirteen eight two in quali. Larry did a fourteen oh eight. Yeah. But in the shootout, they wound the Sierra up and Dick punched a 12.89. So Larry's one point, just over one and a half seconds off pole, and he's on the front row. Yeah. If you're one and a half seconds off this weekend, you are nowhere near the front row. You're on a row. It's just not the front row. Somewhere back there. Um, but what a mix. Sierra pole, Commodore second, GDR third, Falcon fourth, Commodore fifth, BMW ninth. Of course, the shootout, the little thing couldn't get a toe off anyone and- <laughs> Tony Longhurst had to wind the thing up. Remember Alan Grice's lap in that shootout, turn one, straight off, dug that divot out of the front splitter and had to do the whole lap? I just, yeah. I don't know why, but that sticks in my brain. Didn't break the under tray, though, because the VP didn't have one at that stage. So he didn't lose <laughs> much front downforce. If anything, it might have helped. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's funny those little things that you remember. And when I think of that race too, I mean, it goes back to being a kid at, in primary school. At the time, in 1992, I lived in Ballarat. Mm. So in previous years, uh, what had been Channel 6, I think by then it was Vic TV, became Win TV, it sort of took the best of everything of all the big Melbourne channels and put it on the Ballarat yeah. channel. We had the same thing in North Queensland yeah. with NQTV and yeah. NQTV. So for 1992, though, it changed because Prime and Southern Cross came into our world. So Prime was Channel 7, Southern Cross was connected to 10, and Channel 9 was connected to Vic TV. I think it was Vic TV still at that mm. point. It was Win later on. So it was the first chance that 
we had during the year, and I think it flicked a couple of months before Bathurst. So it felt very strange not to be watching the local channel to watch <laughs> Bathurst because there'd been a blue a few years earlier in 88 because the same day as Bathurst, the, the Seoul Olympics marathon Men's was marathon, on. yes. And, of course, who was Australia's shining light in the marathon that year? Steve Monaghetti. Where's he from? Ballarat. <laughs> so there was there was dramas in the news during the week about which thing – Channel 6 would show. Are they showing the local bloke running in the marathon trying to win the gold or the car race? So my tapes of that year's Bathurst 1000 that we recorded at home are full of interspersings of going to the, let's go to the marathon now, they've reached the 12K mark. And and we we, just, we had to cross, cross to Channel 7, which came from Melbourne, but it was all fuzzy and hazy. <laughs> oh, man. So by See, at, least you had that, at least you had that choice. We had to sit through the Graham Cheney boxing <laughs> bout. Spike Cheney, he won the bronze. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, silver? Silver, bronze? Oh, he won he a medal. He was in the gold medal bout and he didn't win. Okay, silver then. He, he won a medal. So it's funny the things you remember, and mm. I remember watching it because that year my dad went to the race for the first time. Ah. Went on a bus trip with my uncle, my late uncle Daryl, and it was kind of a we'll scope it out and you and your cousin, Nathan, can come next year. I was like so angry at that. I was like, come <laughs> on. I mean, I'm, I don't know, I'm 12 or 13 or something. Oh, yeah, but you'd be gutted, like understandable. Oh, and I was like, desperate yeah. to get – I, I love that race. I still do. I've never been. I've been to Sandown every year for quite a few years, but mm. to go to Bathurst was a really big deal and I didn't get to do it. So well, I was – Where'd they watch the race from out of curiosity? Bottom of the mountain. I don't think they went to so the top that year. Did they? Were they at the podium? Yeah. Might be my, jumping ahead here. No, but. no, no. no. Uh, my, ask my dad. Les will tell you. He got called an arsehole by Jim Richards. <laughs> so Was he responsible for No, he wasn't. In, no, he wasn't I couldn't imagine he wasn't, yeah. No, no, no. He wasn't one of those blokes. Or, uh, very or good. So, um, he was in the Greg that, Rust category of nice blokes. Yeah, yeah nice weren't. blokes. Nice yeah. blokes. Innocent of the charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just among the crowd. So the things that stick out, like I remember sitting there and, and we had a thing when you recorded the race on VHS – you had to cut out the ads. You had to press pause. You had to press unpause when it came back from the ad because you had to save tape. You had to you had to make sure you fit the race on one tape that, or two yeah, tapes. Yeah, that's a valid point. I didn't that year. So uh, I, I, I can still remember all the ads for the Porter's Apex Home and Leisure, Leisure show. <laughs> I remember Colin Bond's ads. There were Caltex ads. Remember he was sponsored by Caltex in the race oh, car. Oh, and he gets and, passed and you, by the MR2. Yeah, Hang yeah, on a minute. Hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this MR2 goes blazing on past. You could win a, oh, whatever it was. Probably that MR2. Probably. He's still got an MR2 bike. Yeah, not that one. No, no, no. He's got Fangio's one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, one man more Fangio, the second mm. um, 12-hour car. It's funny the tangents that you go off when you look back at these things of, yeah. of 1992. Especially that's probably the most memorable thing about Bondi's 92 Bathurst because it was over <laughs> for him. You missed it. Yeah, with that brand new Sierra that only did seven laps of racing. Yeah, I know. And it never raced again no. in period. Yeah. It's done more in historics by a mile than what it did in period because mm. they built a brand new for he and John Smith. Because I had the shell sitting there and, well, it's more valuable as a going race car mm. than it is mm. as a shell. And, and the rules were changing at the mm. end of the year. So pretty much everything was going to be scrapped or parked up. GDR's gone. Yep. Sierra's gone, although one got rebirthed or two of them got rebirthed as two-litre cars. Um, Commodores were okay. Mm. You, you were going to be okay with Commodores. Toyota Super, there was one or two in the mix there, gone. Damn. Corollas could lurk around for a little while. Um, 635's got a stay of execution, mm. or the one, the Golsons. Yes. The M3 got a stay of execution for one year. But apart from that, there was a bunch of stuff that was getting its last crack. 
That's at that true. race at that place. That's true. The so the race winning GTR never raced again in Australia. No, no because yeah. there was only one Group A race in Australia after that, and that was Adelaide. Mm. And the number two car that had been the Crompton Olufsen car was the number one Richards car for Adelaide, and Marcus Gaeth didn't race mm. because that very same weekend in was it Fuji, uh, one of the former team cars was racing there, and Gibson Crew would go over there to run it. So they were split for the weekend and the reality was, well, they had a crash car from Bathurst yeah, and they didn't probably have the manpower and probably it's the last one, so what's... Yeah, you know, and Scafie yeah. had his Formula Brabham race to be concerned about anyway. Yeah, so it's sort of... But, that's yeah, that's the way it played out. The car that crashed at Bathurst in 92 won the race after it was red flagged, never raced again. It was repaired mm. um, and it's been part of multiple... You know, I think it was part of that Terry Ashwood collection of cars that he purchased off Fred later on down the track. So it, to me, it's the pick of the GDRs. If you were going to have one of the four that remain out of the five, that's the car. And it's primarily not just because it's a Bathurst winner but because the gym stuff is here we are 30 years on, it is still quoted, remembered, replayed, replayed and this weekend I'm sure it's going to get a run or sure. three. Um It's on shirts. It's on shirts. Jim Richards says I'm an arsehole because all that stuff. Yeah. It lives in the history books of this race and it's ongoing long after us, long after Jim. Uh, it's one of those pieces that people who aren't into motorsport, they still wheel it out on the back page on Fox Sports or in other places that don't really delve into racing that yeah. often. People remember it and it's always going to be there. So for me, the 92 winning GDR is the greatest GDR of all time. That's fair. It was, i got to say, like, is part of the process of writing – the book with Jim Richards, which is available for pre-order in our shop at the moment. I was curious as to how he, after all this time, view what happened on the podium that day. Mm. And he says it's, it was a spur-of-the-moment thing. It wasn't something that he went up there planning to say. And I went back and watched the video afterwards. And you can see when he first comes out onto the podium, he, he and Scafie are all smiles, and then it cuts to the crowd for maybe five seconds or so and then cuts back to the podium and Jim just has a face of stone like it's is that because a can whiz past their head while you didn't see that, I would that think bit so, of the podium? Yes. because yeah. i remember scafie saying that the the cans were flying but yeah. on the tv you don't really you don't see, see that no yeah. no and um yeah he and you could see as gary wilkinson sort of introduced jim to the microphone that jim quite clearly had not paid attention or heard a single thing that gary had said and just went off on his own tangent and delivered yeah. for something that was spur of the moment for some, someone that Jim is not really that sort of natured guy to just deliver something, it's it's the perfect speech for that situation. Yeah. Like you could come up with a whole bunch of different things and he just laid it all out concisely, dispassionately and put a lovely full stop on it. And to think that he was the one calming Scaife down before they went out. <laughs> you know, remember that, and it's funny, that Gibson's recently had a, a reunion with a bunch of their staff and old drivers and cars uh, here in Melbourne, which I was lucky mm. enough to, to go along to an MC. And <laughs> they had one of the two his Top Gun jackets there. I think it was Richo's. I, think I was going to say, it with it, you'd know if it was Scafie's, it would be a bit stretched it's in the pockets. She, exactly. He feel, they were at the back of that podium, the old podium at Bathurst, which is the you know, new podium now. Mm. And, of course, Tui's were the race sponsor. 
And, of course, Tui's had been the sponsor of the Australian Drivers' Championship and they were sort of doing other stuff in the sport. Yeah, personal been, sponsor with Scaife Yeah, Scaife and Scaife well. had a, a deal there. I think there's that famous promo photo of him in a Tui's singlet <laughs> doing a, a shoulder Dude, press yeah. looking like he's pumping up for Bathurst. And uh, um, the story is that, you know, Mark, who, let's face it, Mark can fire up. Has that ability, no. Scaife? You yeah, don't yeah, yeah. say. Yeah, oh, no, it's amazing. Shocking. But he was loading, like they had Tui's product out the back before they went out on the podium all here, there and everywhere. And Scafie's loading the jacket, the Tui's Top Gun, <laughs> the nice leather jacket with cans ready to fire back at these dudes under the podium. And Richo's the one giving him the, it's all right, mate, calm it down. We'll go out there. We'll get our trophy. We'll say hello. We'll, we'll get off. We'll be back here having a beer. It'll be great. It'll be fine. And he's the one that lights it up. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and while all that's going on, at the bottom of the podium is the managing director of Nissan, Leon Daphne, <laughs> and Leon's wife, who is whacking whacking people with with an umbrella, <laughs> telling people off for carry, for carrying on like they were, and justifiably so. Oh, it's epic. And it, it, there's all these angles to that whole thing. And and remember too that of course the order at Bathurst for the podium is three, two, one. <laughs> so. Yes. Out, or were there class winners? There were class winners, and I can't so, remember oh, so offhand no, 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 if they no, no. came I know, out first. I know, I know, I know, I remember it now. Yeah. So this, so they didn't for the V eight era cars, the four cars that are in that category, they didn't have the class winner, which is a shame on because the podium. Because I you know Gricey what? would have calmed everyone. Right? No, Gricey would have rolled them up harder. Because <laughs> remember, in ninety yeah, one, when he and Percy go out finishing second, in the people's mind, the winner because the Nissan's evil, mm. um, and. Is Gricey got his Akuba on his Foster yeah. shirt hanging out yep. and he's ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah. Like he's rolling them. Imagine if they let that class, because Percy and Grice finished fifth and won the class for the new cars, mm. but they didn't have a podium presentation for that class. Just as well, because Grice would have sensed the people and rolled them up. You reckon Dick and JB rolled them up? I reckon Gricey would have had them going harder before all that. Well, no, you make a very good point, but I don't think that crowd needed Dick to rile them up. I think they were good. I think they were no, good for riling. Yeah, they they definitely gave the third placed finishers plenty. Well, the blokes who escaped. Well, one guy escaped pretty much unscathed out of that podium. Scott Bargwana, correct? <laughs> yeah, because Jason. So he and Jason won the class, the little car class in the Corolla, but it was crashed in the Jim Richards crash at the the elbow, mm. and Jason. Went to the podium. Yeah. Scotty's still up at the crash or somewhere on his way back. Because Jim and a few other people had gotten gotten the rides first. Yeah, when you're the outright winner, you get a ride yeah. in the medical car. Um, I must ask Scotty one day of where he was when that was all going yeah. down. Because uh, he wouldn't have known that he'd won the class either, would he? I think there's probably confusion. I mean, even Jim himself, by the time he came back to the pits from the crash site, he thought he'd stuffed it. Yeah. And they told him, you've won the race. Yeah, uh, he was told uh, live by Mark Osler on yeah, TV. you've won the race. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, you know what, should we play the audio here? Well, uh, uh, Ivan Stibart has just uh, awarded the race to the number one car. You must be pleased with that, even after the crash. Fantastic. I can't believe it. <laughs> well done, Jimmy Richards. So he's taking a drink out of the drink straw <laughs> and nearly chokes on the drink. <laughs> That's just um, just amazing. And then all the crew members come over and, like, just I think stunned. if you look close enough in the vision, you can see a very young Steve Richards. Yes. He was there that weekend <laughs> as well. It's The red hair's up and about. It's a bit of a perm going on. 
in it's, Richo's yeah, world. It's quite, for, it's quite the hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a, it is a shame that there wasn't a corresponding camera in the Dick Johnson racing pits when all yeah, this occurred. Yeah, that, that would have been interesting. That's um, quite a contrast for historical yeah, sake. Yeah, so, so the podium covered that off. So the so Bugs goes out there. This is before the How Goods This Era. Um, you know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, the young bloke, he's won the po- – yeah. Oh, yeah, great. He was stoked. He was yeah, stoked yeah, to be yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Especially since they'd also crashed out of the race. Yeah, yeah. So they they bring out Anders and Neil because they're third. Mm. And, of course, if that race goes on, they probably win. Mm. They probably win. Um, Anders, who is the second most happy person in the entire pro- podium procedures behind Bargs. Yeah, and I think he's. He, oh, I don't care whatever cars they want to. It's okay. You I know. think he appreciated it. I think he was appreciated like, oh, in you know, the sense that like he could understand and he got it and he wasn't overly upset. No, nah, you know, yeah, it's a Swedish thing. They're just yeah. unflappable. Yeah. Everyone's just going bananas underneath the podium at Bathurst, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's okay." You know, it's. I can't do a very good Swedish accent, but yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, yet Uncle Neil flips the <laughs> double finger bird at the end of it, gives it a bit of up yours yeah. on the way off. So he doesn't – it's a very smart call. If you're going to flip that, do it as you're walking off because if you do it as you come out or halfway through, you're pretty vulnerable there. You're in front <laughs> of the crowd there. You're in the hitting zone for a flying can or two. Mm. But he was doing it as he went off. Yes. So, And then, of course, they're all keen to see Dick and JB, Dick the moral winner. Um, Certainly know, in the crowd's eyes, the moral winner. He was winner. the winner in the crowd's eyes yeah. that day. So. I, th- I don't think he really riled the crowd that hard when you stop and think about it. it was he said reinforcement. But the, line, but the line about, I don't know how you can get beaten by a crashed car, yeah. spurred the others. Like It wasn't like he actively said, hey, all you mob down there, get upset, get angry, give them no. crap. But they didn't need, yeah. as you said, they didn't need the encouragement. It's the most, when you think about podiums at Bathurst, it's the most memorable one by a country mile. There's a few other mm. cool moments over the years of, you know, Reynolds and Luke Yulden piggybacking, that was pretty funny. But there's not really many others where crazy stuff, weird stuff happens. Winners come out, wave to the crowd. 87, the third place getter getting the bigger cheer than either first or second and place. those chicks screaming, screaming underneath yeah. the podium. Um, oh, 86 when Dick turned up to claim third place. Oh, that's right. <laughs> there's that one as well. <laughs> His lap score said... He was I third. wouldn't argue with Jill Johnson's lap chart. No, but she's a guru at yeah. lap scoring. But the ARDC disagreed. But, but over the, the years, the podium wasn't a place for controversy. No. Like it was celebration, speeches, champagne, trophies, applause. Happy people, yeah. some not as happy people. Everyone goes home. Yeah, but 92, that lives forever in the history books of this race. And, and obviously – you know, we live in a world now where, oh, you shouldn't boo anyone and a lot of that type of stuff's going around. But at the end of the day, um, a different time, different era. And, and like, it was end of an era too. But, those, but I think that the funny thing is that here we are 30 years on, you ask a lot of people, oh, wow, and I've said this before, the mm. GDR, Godzilla, oh, what an amazing car. Oh, that was unbelievable. Oh, wow. At the time, hated it. Yeah. Isn't it funny <laughs> how time changes all of that. Because 24 months of utter like, domination and the um, popular local products not getting a look in, and um, that was the end result. Sierra wasn't a local product? I, I just meant the Commodores, but oh, I don't right, think yeah, the Sierras yeah, were that favoured either. Yeah, but again, no, that's that, true. But they, it was Dick. Yeah. It, was, it was DJ. Exactly, yeah. So the famous 17 was, was one of those things. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? 
Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. I love the fact too that, uh, and I think about the broadcast because that's how I consumed that race and a mm. lot of our listeners will have. Doug Mulray, he's in the mix. I, I loved Mulray's commentary. Again, I was probably the right age, but I will say that- Probably his, most of the gags went over our head though at that oh, age. Oh, totally, yeah. Oh, I like, I'd, to be fair, one of the- um. His his um speculation during the Denny Holm safety car probably doesn't age well. No. Um, but Mulray, to when he was being himself, was just a very um verbose, entertaining commentator, and yeah, there's probably room for that in the broadcast somewhere today. To be fair, got any I don't nomina- know how it would fit. Got any nominations for this weekend to add to the lineup oh, at the last minute? I'm on the spot here. Uh, no one's coming to mind. Okay. When you look at the blend, like Mulray wasn't just some some radio punter that was. He was a racing in. guy. He loved, loved racing. It. Like he could, he could talk racing with the best of them and could and had a fair knowledge and understanding of the sport. Mm. And that's that's what helped. He could blend that with his natural person persona. I'm pretty sure, and I haven't watched the, the the tape in recent times. We've got the full race, the '92 DVD, um, as part of all of those old Bathurst that you can buy from our uh, online store, superstore.vhsleuth.com.au. Full race, go to O, including all the vision from the ad breaks. So mm. you think you've seen it all on the day with your tape that you've got from back in the day? You haven't. There's more stuff, a lot yeah. of in car, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Don't even have to pause it. Yeah, which is really cool. pause it at your leisure. Well, not for, not you've got for to swap discs at yeah. some point, <laughs> yes, part that's true. two, but. The other big thing about 92 was Wayne Gardner. Oh, yeah. I hadn't even considered that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's his first Bathurst 1000. He'd retired from motorcycle racing during that year. He was riding for the factory Honda team still. Had to play with a little bit of touring car stuff. Armin Hahn was a friend of his. Mm. Um, and so a deal gets put together with Graham Moore, who did some pretty good deals at Bathurst over the years, Williams Renault, five mm-hmm. years after that. Strathfield Car Radios, VN Commodore, which had been the GIO Commodore, the Bob Forbes car previously. So he was a massive draw card. That was another massive storyline coming into the 92 race that this, you know, the world champion of five years earlier, two-time Australian Grand Prix winner, the guy who put motorcycling on the map in the national conscience in this country was going to race a car at Bathurst in a Commodore like that got plenty of attention. That was a big deal. And a smart move as well, going to Bathurst for your first attempt in a car that no one is expecting to win or place or if you're in the top 10 at the end of the day, you've done well. Lowered lowered expectations could mm. actually go there and sort of yeah. like lo- hone the craft as it were. And I think they had a pile of problems and ended up finishing P nowhere pretty much in the grand scheme of things. But- the attention, I think they're 26. I just looked up the results. They, mm. had a, they finished one spot in front of Brock, actually, <laughs> who had a bit of a delayed day, um, that race. Yeah, it's a big deal. And, of course, you know, he, he was in top gear the years that followed. Mm. Um, HRT, his own team and Seton's team and, and stuff like that over the journey. But it's a big deal. Like I'm trying to think of the equivalent. It's kind of... It Hard would have been like Casey Stoner coming to Bathurst and co-driving with yeah. LDM in 2012. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, that, that's the sort of scenario. And the attention it put on the race, the storylines it put around the race. And don't forget too, very different time 30 years ago. Mm. How did you learn about 
the race, what was going to happen. You basically got a little bit in the newspapers here and there. Mm. Your auto action magazine, motorsport news didn't exist. Mm. It didn't come until the next year. Racing car news was gone. Racing car news had, yep, shut up shop that year, uh, was reborn as Motor Racing Australia the following year. So how you got your stuff, of course, you had the touring car rounds during the year, late nights in a lot of cases. A bit on Sports World on a Sunday yeah, morning. Yep, Channel 7 kept the link going there a bit. But the reality is compared to now, you know, you look at the landscape of what's around for your Bathurst lead-up. I mean, just take our place as an instance. Yeah. We've had podcasts going year-round where we're talking about Bathurst, we're talking about the history, we're talking about what's ahead. Our website's constantly got something on it in the lead-up, you know, not just this week but previous weeks leading up to it. Because of digital media now, this and Supercar's website and other outlets, there's so much stuff out there in the ether before you turn on the telecast for the first time on Thursday, (laughs) which, man, that was unheard of in those days. I mean, Friday qualifying coverage didn't happen back in the day. It was the shootout on Saturday for, uh, I think it was an hour maybe that year. Maybe they they were starting to drift it. Yeah, maybe two hours by that point too. Because you you just raised something good, sports finance. Yes, were there that year? Which yeah. that Keith Carling Nissen was a bloody rocket. Oh yes, that was cool to watch. But you didn't really get to see. You might you got to go snippet on the news on the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, mm. um, the eleven a.m. show on Channel Seven because it was always in school holidays. Oh, so I'd yes. be home just trying to see something yeah. on the telly because <laughs> I wanted a bit of Bathurstness. Mm. Of course. The race program would be in the news agent in yeah. the, the month leading up. So my my dad would buy that as soon as it came out, and I'd pour over it for the month or two, six weeks, five weeks, whatever it was leading up. Mm. Apart from that, though, Donuts. you were pretty depleted of all this stuff that you've got these days. I think sometimes we forget how good we've got it. That's oh, a valid point. It's um, yeah the the landscape of the lead up to a Bathurst one thousand looks very different now. It's yeah yeah yeah. It's it's it's. It's better. Mm. It's better. Yeah. Uh, like there's a lot of stuff that goes on with socials and online that's, you know, is that really news or is that really stuff I need to consume? But there's enough good stuff around there. I mean, even it's just, nice to have the choice. Yeah, even just really, knowing at the end of the day, what time's everything on? Yeah, bang, you can find it within two seconds flat. It was an amazing. I mean, it wasn't really a corking close fight race. No, not in any way, shape, or form. Once there was one significant pass for the lead, and it occurred what at the end of lap two, mm. and then after that, Scaife took off, and then it started raining towards the end of the stint. And four wheel drive works better than two wheel drive in those conditions. And the Nissan, there was really no chance of that Nissan being headed for the rest of the day outside of something weird occurring and lo and behold something weird occurred but they mm. stopped the race so yeah. they won anyway yeah and it's one of those cases where that race there's i don't think there's, there's no such thing as a barn burning race all day races that really stick in your mind are because of the moments mm. and it so it's it's jim on the podium it's denny hum pulled over it's brock stopped on the grid you can pretty much pick five or six moments of every great race Stop getting fired up after getting turned by Gricey at Forest Elbow. Oh, that's right too. Probably the most reserve fired up you've seen Brock on TV because <laughs> he always yes. knew when a camera was on and he was yeah. perfect Pete, shiny Pete. Well, but drive with some grey matter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and there was him going off at Wally's story. Yeah. The other thing too, just talking TV quickly before we wrap this up, I've loved – We didn't. the great thing about this pod today, we didn't plan a thing Blank because we went, you know what, yeah. 
let's just spurt out everything we remember and love about the 92 race. And it, I think it's worked pretty well because I've thought of things that I haven't thought about for, yeah. a, for a very long time. Underrated part of the television in that era, Richard Hay from the UK. Yeah, agreed. I reckon agreed. he was just about the best international commentator that's come out to Australia to do that race. It'd be, it'd be a short list. but Shortly. Oh, no, but, I, you know, his dad yeah, was his another dad one, Neville Hay yeah. was another of those guys. I just thought he added so much. He was so pro. He's, he's still around the UK. His son runs the, the production business that he had previously run now. Uh, he raced at Le Mans when I was over there in 02 in um, a little Morgan. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little yellow BMW engine. It was built of wood. Mm. Legit. Yeah, like yeah. It actually was. Traditional Morgan build. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I just thought he was great. And particularly when you look back on it, he added info, he had awareness, he had proximity, all the things that you need. And he had, you know, could. Uh, it's funny though, every year he would do, they penciled him in for the story in the telecast <laughs> running through the international drivers. Yeah. It's like, you know, it was, you could set your watch to it that Richard Hay would be doing that story. So, um, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that nah, was pretty nah, cool. That's a good call. But it's really all about the Nissan. It's about Jim. It's about that magic moment. I can't believe it. We've not played the audio of the podium. No. We I, haven't, I think have we? we? Have to. Well, before we go, I'm sure that there's some of our listeners today who are driving to Bathurst, they're out and about driving to and from jobs or whatever you're doing. Settle back, relax, and enjoy the day the gym gave the crowd a character reference. I'm just really stunned for words. I can't believe the reception. I thought Australian race fans had a lot more to go than this. This is bloody disgraceful. I'll keep racing, but I'll tell you what, this is going to remain with me for a long time. You're a pack of assholes. Well, it has remained with him for a long time because we're still talking about it, Will Dale. It's in his book. It's here on this podcast. It is, without doubt, the moment of the 1992 Bathurst 1000. It sits in the top five of all-time Bathurst moments for me. Jim Richards' podium speech is stellar. There can't be many people that have not heard that over the years. Not just not just fans of motorsport, but beyond that as well. It's I been played right. so extensively. It's one of those it's it's almost as we touched on earlier, it's one of those moments that's largely transcended the sport it occurred in. It's the moment that transcends Jim Richards. Yeah. In terms of beyond the motor racing sphere into the mainstream. Which is ironic as <laughs> because it's so untypical of the man himself. Yeah. And you know, of all the achievements, seven times a winner in that race. Champion of a billion things. I mm. mean, seriously, f- how we fit his career in 400 pages. Kudos to, how we kudos did to yeah. you, mate. I think you made that happen because when we started it, I thought this is 9 million pages. I don't know how we're going to jam all this in. We, we, it could have been. It's, it genuinely yeah, could have it, been. It really could have been. Could but have he, done in multiple volumes. Yeah, and he opens up about the 92 stuff. So there's plenty of stuff around that race in the book. So I think people will will really enjoy that from the horse's mouth as it was as, as opposed to, to us retelling it or, or telling you our view on it all. So have a little look at the snapshot here of how that race finished. So that race was, well, it actually went a few more laps than the results indicate because they had to backdate it a couple to be able to get – Cars in the results that kind of really should have been. Mm. So Scaife and Richards win. Johnson Bow second. A minute behind. A it's minute worth behind. Noting. Crompton and Olufsen third, having been the guinea pig earlier on for the See, pit stop. They weren't. They weren't the guinea pig. Well, sorry, you're right. Neil saw the weather coming and thought, I don't want to be and out here on in. wets, and dived in to 
to be greeted by a fully set up Gibson crew who were expecting car one. Yes, that's right. Sorry, my apologies. You're right. So he actually, of all the bad luck he ever had in that race, that was the best move he could have made. Jim's had to go around again on slicks, crashes the car out of the race. But then, of course, the worst thing happens for Neil. The race is called. Car one's declared the winner. Typical of Neil's like at Bathurst in his driving career. So we have Neil to thank for creating one of the most uh, memorable moments in Bathurst history, Indir- directly or indirectly. <laughs> I hadn't thought he's about it like that, but now that you say it. He said in motion the chain of events that occurred that led to car one crashing, led to Jim thinking he lost the race, <laughs> cursing Crompton You're for harsh. losing the race. You're so harsh. So harsh. But I love the way you think. Yeah. I like the way you think. So that was the podium. Uh, fourth was Longhurst and Giacotto in the BMW that had been crashed in the morning warm-up by Johnny at uh, Forest Elbow. Fifth, Percy and Grice. Mark Gibbs and Rowan Onslow in the GIO GTR was sixth. She um, crashed into a couple of cars over the course of the day and early on had copped oil on the windscreen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We think about Sandown 93 and the HRT throwing the bucket of water. They were doing that for the Gibbs car as well. Yeah, they were just throwing it over the pit wall, but at least he was slowing down. Yes. Didn't accelerate towards it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Worked out okay. Uh, eighth was the Wayne Park, David Skippy Parsons, PJ Sierra with the whole front missing off it. Um, I can't remember why it was damaged, but it was. It was a multi-car tangle, I think, at the top of Mountain Strait involving John Bow, the Hong Kong Sierra, the ex-Rouse car, that, oh, yep, yep. Um, the number 36 the car. The Rod Jones car. Rod yep. Jones car. And, um, yeah, the 35 PJ car copped the worst of it. Uh, yep. I don't know who was at the wheel, whether it was Skippy or Skippy or Wayne, but they'd have quite the story to tell. Yeah, it was uh, slightly modified. Mm. <laughs> Perkins and Harrington Knight had some dramas in the Bob Jane Teammates car, which, by the way, just looked fantastic. It's great that that car is back in that livery. And briefly had a Ford badge on it during the weekend. It, yeah, it did, it did. Um, is that story in the Perkins book? I think it's mentioned. It's mentioned. But I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a bit of dodginess. No photo, there. but it, what, um, yeah, from it memory it's mentioned. It happened. Yeah. It happened. Uh, and rounding out the 10 was actually the Daily Planet car, Andrew Harris, Gary Cook, and John Trimble. And remember, too, John Trimble had jumped cars because he was in the other car in the lead-up to the race, but it caught on fire at the bottom of Conrod, and he literally bailed out of it mm. while it was still moving because it was engulfed in flames. And that, so they, they burnt that car to the ground. And then this particular car, the one that finished 10th, did so having been written off in that crash on Conrad Strait. Yeah. So it was a very expensive was, weekend was for John Trimble. Day, it was not a good day out. I mean, they, they did finish 10th in the race. They had to fight to get that as well. And that they was one of the cars, yeah. I think, that the race got backdated another lap to kind of bring them into yeah. the result. Because they did point out that, well, you red flagged the race because of the series of accidents, of accidents that happened. Ours was the first. Mm. Come on. Yeah, we're in the accident. Yeah. Even though that accident took a little while to fully have everyone join in. But yes. There you go. That's the top 10. That's the 1992 Tui's 1000. I've loved this. This has been great fun to sit down and talk about a race that um, is remembered for many reasons by so many, but pretty much one reason in mm. the grand scheme of things. Uh, it's a massive week at Mount Panorama. Come and say good day to us if you see us at the track over the course of the rest of the week. Um, we've got Repco Bathurst daily every day from Wednesday through to Sunday with all of the updates on the latest and greatest of what's going on at the track over the course of race week so you can tune in there. You'll get your notifications via your podcast apps, but if you miss it, keep your eyes peeled for it via all the places that you listen here to the podcast. It'll be via the, the website player that we have on v8sleuth.com.au. Massive coverage this week. Conor O'Brien, Stefan Bartholomew, 
Bartholomeus, Will, myself, Shane Rogers. We're pumping stats for the telecast. The website is going to be humming. There is so much to do. Tune into the pods every day. We'll see you at the mountain. Safe driving if you're driving today uh, up to Mount Panorama, down to Mount Panorama, across Cross. to Mount Panorama. Have I got them all? Over? Over to Mount Panorama. Yeah, you've got to go through hills to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that counts. That counts. Um, another quick one too. The Repco Trackside Store in Harris Park in the merchandise area. Uh, there's going to be a cool car on display there. The Johnson Bow 96-97 Falcon EL, which was the runner-up as an EF in 96. It's in its EL spec now, so you can come and check that car out. I'm going to be in at the Repco Trackside Store over the course of the weekend. A few different drivers and guests making appearances, and we will have the V8 Sleuth book range there. And the fine folk at Repco have slashed some of the prices. You're going to get some really good deals. It's part of their support of supercar fans. We can all be back at Bathurst this year for the first time in three years. We're even letting the Kiwis come back. (laughs) So... Everyone is welcome. Everyone's in. Uh, if you're coming to see us Thursday night at the National Motor Racing Museum, you have to have a ticket for the Greg Murphy Open Night. It is a sellout. There's no more tickets, no more seats. If you don't have a ticket, I'm really sorry. We can't fit more people in. Please don't ask us for tickets. We haven't got any. We're looking forward to that. That's going to be an absolute belter. Quickly, Will, what are you looking forward to most about this week? I'm just looking forward to another Bathurst. It's all. It's always. It's always great to be there. Missing 2020. Makes, we're still makes catching me up. Yeah, we're still catching up. It makes me appreciate what it, the opportunity to go there every year and what it means. Let's see too if anyone really gets inspired to celebrate that 30th anniversary of the 1992 race, gets up on that podium, and even if no one's booing them, launches something really interesting. I issue a challenge to every supercar driver <laughs> this week, make the podium memorable. Shoeys don't count. Piggybacks have been done come up with something that will make you live in infamy forever. So as when they mention Jim Richards and you're a pack of assholes, that they can also go, yeah, and remember then in 2020 when such and such did such and such. Give us something this year. Can't wait to see it. We're done. Repco Bathurst Daily tomorrow. Join us then. Every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint. May 17 to 19. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars. Unforgettable. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out.